Hi, everyone. It's your podcast host, Jim Andrews, here with a reminder that the Ticket Manager Partner Summit is back. We'll be getting together in person on October 17th this year at the Times Center in New York City. This is a free, invitation-only event where hundreds of business leaders across the world's most influential brands in sports, sponsorship, live events, and ticketing gather to make great connections and share valuable information. Approved attendees enjoy exclusive networking events, insightful panels, and exciting celebrity speakers, all for free. Are you interested in attending? Just go to ticketmanager.com for details on how to apply. Hello and welcome to Ticket Manager's All Access Interview Series, engaging leaders from across the sports marketing spectrum to identify and explore critical issues in the business of sports, entertainment, sponsorship, activation, ticketing, hospitality, and even more than that. I'm your host, Jim Andrews. Joining me on this episode is Ishveen Jolly, founder and CEO of Open Sponsorship the world's largest digital marketplace connecting brands with athletes, creators, and influencers. Welcome, Ishveen. It's a real pleasure to have you with us. Jim, for having me on. Absolutely. You know, I think the regular listeners to this podcast know that I typically don't delve into the backgrounds uh, of guests, but I do want to do that with you as a founder, because I think it's important to understand kind of where open sponsorship came from, the idea. And so can you just share your story and, and also then the, the backstory of the company that you founded almost nine years ago now? I suppose my story, I was fell into sponsorship, I suppose. Um, I grew up playing sports. I grew up in England, hence the accent. But I did start the, the company when I was living out in New York in America and was a student athlete all my life, graduated from Oxford. Uh, like many people, went into a career in consulting, boring office job and realized sports was my passion. And so I think there's a few routes to ticketing in America, but a media or sponsorship fell into sponsorship and absolutely fell in love with it. I thought, what a great form of marketing. What a great way of spending money. I know, Jim, that's obviously close to your heart as well. And so, you know, uh, did that successfully for a few years, predominantly based in India at the time. I worked on the Indian Premier League, the cricket tournament out there in its second year. So fascinating stuff. And then Fast forward to, as you said, about kind of eight years ago when I had this like eureka moment of why is there not an Airbnb for the industry, somewhere that you can easily get deals done, more data driven, more matching based. You know, we were all in our personal lives using LinkedIn and Uber and Airbnb. But in the professional sponsorship world, it was still like going to conferences or trying to find, I don't know how we like used to do deals. And so, um, and that's kind of what we created. Excellent. And and I, I do want to kind of come back to um, kind of the, the, the idea and, 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 uh, and explore kind of the, the, the marketplace idea for, for partnerships. Cause I, I think it's fascinating, but before we do that, you know, I, let's take a look at, at open sponsorship and it, it's been very successful. As I mentioned, you know, the, the digital marketplace where the brands are finding athletes and, and other influencers can you just you know give us a sense of, of, of the business now, maybe some of the relevant numbers, uh, you know, the, how many users you have, the deals, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a, over 18,000 athletes. So that's on our supply side. About half are managed 
directly. So you can imagine that's a lot of like NIL athletes, Olympians, Peloton, well, I suppose Peloton are bigger, but CrossFit maybe, UFC fighters. And then the other half, about 9,000 are managed by agents. And, you know, an agent for us could be as big as like WME or an IMG or a Rock Nation or Wasserman who all use us. Or it could be a really small golf agent who reps his best friend or his next door neighbor. And so I think the main thing there is on the supply side, we make it free for them and we just take a take on the deal. Then on the brand side, we have, I think we've done deals for maybe about 4,000 brands and that's as big as a Walmart, JD Sports, Vitamin Shop, but all the way again down to like small startups. We've done equity deals. We do royalty deals. We do product only. So when you think about, you know, one of your questions was deal value. Our average deal value is $3,500, but that is so skewed because, you know, our biggest deal has been just shy of a million, but that's an anomaly. Typically our biggest deal, we maybe do one low six, very high five figure a quarter or maybe a month. So not that much. And then we'll do loads of product only deals or 50 buck, 100 deals, which, you know, for a, for a small athlete could be them paying for a tournament entrance, right? Or paying for vitamins for the month or whatever it may be. Right. And 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 that's where, you know, we were kind of talking about the long tail idea, right? It's, it's you know, the, those folks and, and how were they going to make those connections prior to there being a marketplace, you know, so that's, uh, again, kind of the, the, where the technology is so relevant uh, for them. And, and is it literally as easy as if, I, if I'm a, a brand manager and I'm, I'm thinking I want to do some kind of an athlete or influencer campaign, I can just log in and, and kind of, you know, maybe put in search criteria for, for, for what I'm looking for? Yeah, honestly, it really is as easy as that. I think the main thing is, so we've got amazing search criteria. It's funny, um, I was listening to a podcast actually over the weekend and they were talking about all the AI regulation that's coming out of the government. And I found a very old pitch deck. I was working on something. And in 2018, actually, I think it was like 2016 or 2017, IBM on their homepage, not that anyone looks at IBM's homepage, but on their homepage, they had two articles over the course of the year. And um, it was talking about how this new company was using AI to do athlete deals. And that was ours. And that was like 2016. And now AI is such a big thing. And they've got talking about all these regulations. And so I think the thing being is like, we've got some amazing tools. But honestly, all the tools in the world, Jim, like let's say you have a coffee brand, you start out and you're thinking, oh, I'd like some Chicago athletes to come and taste my coffee. All the tools in the world are not going to tell you who's actually genuinely interested. Or, or they can, but when you think about recruitment, the best thing that most people do today is they put up a campaign, a bit like a job posting. And so, you know, Jim's new coffee brand, looking for athletes who love coffee in Chicago to come and taste this thing. We're offering 500 bucks or 5,000 bucks, whatever you want to offer and let people come into you. And that's really the, I suppose, the secret source, but it's not that secret of what we do, which is we turn the model on its head and we're allowing the agents and athletes to say, pick me. And that means more authenticity, better value, more commitment to actually see the deal through because we hold the money in escrow. And I, and I think that's what we've created is like, it's not, uh, these things are very common in recruitment or other areas, but for sponsorship, it was never done that way. You use the word authenticity. And I think that's so important in these types of deals too. And that that could be something that, that was often lacking uh, kind of 
pre 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 uh, you coming along is you know if if I say to some somebody you know do you like coffee they might say yes just to get the deal done <laughs> and yeah. I don't know that they're really authentically a huge fan and, and and know anything about about the products whereas you know if if they've populated that uh, uh, information already then then I know hey they they're not just responding to me and and saying whatever they think I want to hear so that's great. Yeah, I'm guessing you mentioned uh, NIL, and I'm, I'm guessing it's fair to say that NIL rights for college athletes has probably been a big boon uh, to to your business. So, so can you tell us a little bit more about Open Sponsorship's role in the NIL space? Because there's you know there's so much going on. There's still so much that's still kind of uh, unsettled in, in that area. So, so how are how are you playing a role there? Yeah, I'd say controversially, I love it and hate it. So, <laughs> I love it for. Obviously, what it stands for, I do think college athletes should get paid for considering, especially considering how few of them go on to be pro. And that could be um, a big part of their, their sports journey. I remember like it was uh, there was a number of the Stanford swimmers who were all in the Olympics. And they, there was someone who wrote an article, or I think we even looked at it, how much money they would have made if they were allowed to have made money during the Olympics. And it was crazy that just because they were at Stanford, they couldn't make that money right and so I love what it stands for and I do love the uptake like we ourselves of our 18,000 athletes about a third are college athletes which is insane considering we've been around eight years and we've had so many pro athletes and also it is really fun to see these athletes who sometimes are natural more better content creators they're very good value so they really work for the brands um scaling is really easy which is where we come in from. so all of those good things i absolutely love the problem is is that it's brought a lot of like different entrants to the market and we personally have a lot of copycats and i know they say um yeah, which, imitation is the best form of flattery, but There's when you're sitting flattery. on that side, yeah, exactly. You're a bit like, you know, I don't need that flattery. I can take that in other ways. But, <laughs> um, so I think we've had a lot of copycats uh, come in and, you know, what sometimes happens is then it becomes like this like race to the bottom because, you know, we'll sometimes have brands go, oh, but we can do something over there and it's free. And it's like, well, you know, during COVID, we tried to make our platform free for brands to use. And what happened is we got a lot because we knew that the athletes were hurting and uh, and people were generally hurting. And what happened is a lot of brands put up campaigns that they never were planning to really, you know, there was like, I, I use this line, they were, they kind of put up a campaign and we'd say, well, hi, 50 athletes have applied. Why are you not doing deals? And they were like, oh, we just wanted to see if LeBron James was going to apply. And you're like, well, you're offering 200 bucks. Of course, you're not going to get them. And and that created a really bad atmosphere for both people. So I think the problem is, is like, if too many people are in it and they're not thinking about it strategically, it creates like a race to the bottom and destroys margins and whatever else. And so I think we've tried to stick to, hey, we're trying to be premium here. We're trying to help you with strategy. If you just want lots of college athletes for free, there are probably other places to get them if you want it in an effective and you know, might not be the cheapest way, but it's going to be the best value way overall. So, you know, like anything, it's it's a great space, but it's uh, it brings its own challenges when it has so much attention on it. Outside of or including the NIL space, are, are there certain kind of trends that you're seeing? I mean, you, you have such a great seat where you're able to see so much activity from, from the brands and, and from the uh, the athletes and influencers. Are, are there any trends that you see kind of emerging from all of the deals that are being done? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you um, three and and there's so many trends, but I'll give you three that I think are interesting for probably for the audience as well. So um, one is that we're seeing v- many new people come into the influencer marketing space that 
is kind of surprising. And then you, you think about it and you're like, of course, they're a brand. But we recently worked with the Premier League when they came to the U.S., and they were looking, you know, their ticket sales in certain areas were not as great as some other places. And so they were like, how can we amplify this? And so we helped them connect with a couple of NFL players who did like videos being like so proud that the Premier League is coming to our home and, you know, go buy tickets. And we've seen that um, the NFL we recently spoke to, they have a whole influence program um, at the conference that we were at in Chicago. I spoke to one of the local Chicago teams who were thinking about their influencer program. And so I think what's interesting is it obviously makes sense because everyone has as a marketing budget, but but suddenly, you know, we're seeing almost like our supply is our demand. Um, and that that's kind of fun to be able to work with teams, leagues, events. Um, there's an event for the rodeo and we're talking to them about using. And it kind of makes sense because if you're selling tickets or participation or attendance or whatever else, actually, we work with Live Golf. And so obviously they're trying to drive eyeballs. It kind of makes sense that they're going to use athletes to do that, whether it's college golfers or whether... It's anyone in the local community. So that's one. And then the second is, I think before you used to just talk about influence, like what's their demographic, what's their influence. But now we really need the content to be strong. And there's a massive demand on, you know, it's great that you've got a lot of followers, but if you're not, if your content's not good on social, you never create video, you don't post regularly, you're probably not going to get the brand deals Definitely a bit of a challenge for us, but also an opportunity because we can then surface, you know, which there's 1800 athlete players in the NFL. Here are the 20 that do post regularly that get great views on their reels. Right. And so it's almost interesting because it's moving away from this idea that I'm going to work with the quarterback and more so to I'm going to work with the person who's the best content creator. Yeah, that that's obviously you know, such a huge aspect of this. And I know in, in, in the NIL space, you know, that is probably the number one thing I think that brands are looking at is is the, is the social and digital content um, from from those types of athletes. And yeah, that's <laughs> that's a wide range of of uh, not only the amounts, but but how how well it's done uh, in terms of that content creation. Yeah, absolutely. Are there particular deals? I know you mentioned a, a couple of uh, uh, deals and, and brands that you've worked with. Are there are some that you have been kind of particularly proud of or, or thought that were very successful uh, for, for the partners? Yeah, I think the first time you do anything, it's always really fun. So it's kind of a sad thing to say, but yeah. So I remember our first Paralympian deal with Sperry's, the shoe company. And that was really fun because you're like, oh, let's, you know, um, we made that happen and it's good for both parties um, and it's, it's just really nice. So that was great. We recently did our first Formula One um, player deal with Alex Albon. So that was fun. I think the team really liked that. I remember the first time we did a NBA deal with Draymond Green. Again, like I think it's like your firsts are always great. And then on the brand side, it is really nice when we see our brands leverage the assets they they get from our athletes and use them across the, the place. So we have a channel in our Slack company group where people will share sightings of our deals across the internet. And so, for example, recently it was a CBD company and one of our uh, team shared, like she got hit with a Google ad with the image of the CBD and the athlete that she had set up as the account manager. <laughs> and she was just like, oh, that's so cool. Like I made that deal happen. And so, you know, when we see um, like websites use the imagery on their like their homepages or in their email marketing, it's just, you know that it's working. And I think that's the biggest, even in sponsorship, it was always this like, 
Is it working? Is it having an impact? Um, and when you see that, you just feel like, oh, this is good. You mentioned, you know, obviously sponsorship is is, is my background. And, and one of the things that I'm surprised at, and I love, I love your take on it and, and tell me what you're seeing. I'm often surprised that more team sponsors uh, and even league sponsors don't leverage athletes to activate their official partnerships. You know, when we're working with brands and putting together activation plans, it, it almost seems like sometimes, and maybe I think sometimes they think it's going to be too expensive. They've already paid their sponsorship fees, so they're uh, trying to manage costs, which of course is understandable. But would you say that many of the deals on open sponsorship are coming from from brands that are looking to activate an, an official sponsorship, or are they more likely to be Someone that's just you know looking to align with with athletes without that uh, having that team or or lead connection. You know, when we first set up open sponsorship, I was very naive. I think most founders have to be naive, otherwise you'd never do it. And I was like, you know, this is going to be great. All the Olympic and I previously worked done some work with like FIH, the Olympic uh, Hockey Federation, and you know different governing bodies, different teams, and whatever else. And we started it, and I was like great, I'm just going to go in there and be like, we've produced this thing. Of course, you're going to use it. You're going to get all your athletes on board. You're going to get all your brands on board. And we're just going to be this amazing marketplace. And I always say like B2C is a little bit more logical because people think with their money, which is kind of logic. B2B is all mostly relationships and politics and different weird things that are going on. And so, you know, exactly to your point. And one time I remember I was moderating a panel and I was sitting with the CEO of a sports governing body And he was literally saying, like, we're really supporting our athletes to do more and get deals. And I was like, really? And then, you know, (laughs) obviously followed up and nothing. So I'd say I don't fully still don't fully understand. The answer to your question is no. We have a very surprising few amount of people with the official rights. As as you're saying, what the thought process is there. I've already paid for the rights of the colors, the logos, the marks of the, the team or the league or the event. Of course, I should use an athlete and then I can put them together. We're not doing many of those deals. I think, one, somehow teams maybe have this thing that's like, oh, that's in, that, that there you have to go through the agent right. and here this way. And then the other thing being is like, if that deal doesn't work out right, it might reflect on us, which I do understand. So, you know, if the athlete doesn't post for you on time and you come running to us and say, oh, they're not doing a good job, then it suddenly affects my relationship. But the problem is, is that these are actually such great assets for you and we can guarantee more deliverability and all of this. So I wish we were doing more. I think it's a massively missed opportunity. And watch this space because hopefully in a year's time, I'll tell you we fixed it and and we are doing more. (laughs) You gained such great traction with open sponsorship and, and connecting brands and, and individuals. But as you kind of said, the, the digital marketplace has never taken off in terms of matching potential sponsors and properties. So teams, you know, events, tournaments, that kind of a thing. And, you know, it, it, it's it's something close to my heart because you know, I can't even remember. It was 20 years ago when I was involved in trying to start one of those um, and it didn't take off. And why do you think that is uh, it is a challenge. And, and and is there a way to kind of unlock some of the, the benefits of a, of a marketplace and technology, especially, again, when we get back to that concept of 
the long tail. I mean, the the smaller properties and rights holders who you know often struggle to to get in front of brands. You know, um, is there is there anything that you see that that where technology could could play a role in in, in matching brands and, and organizations rather than individuals? Yeah, lovely question. I'd say. Um... Interestingly, there's a point that's actually connected to your point prior, which is, I think, and you might know this better than I do, but sometimes what I hear from the market is that we're pretty good with selling the inventory we have, and we need new inventory to sell. And we've got these, you know, we've got these team of sales teams and department heads and the cut managers whose job is to like renew and upsell. And what we don't have is more stuff to sell, which is why maybe we're competition. So then it's all about if that is the case, if that's not the case, then, you know, there's really no reason why. If that is the case, then how do we create new inventory together? And a great example is actually going back to your prior point, which is how do official partners leverage the athletes? Now, a team may also argue, well, if they're already our official partner, then they should have enough coverage to that target demo already so why do they need the athlete and one thing i've talked to a couple of teams about is well why don't we let's say you're in chicago and chance the rapper's in chicago why don't we get chance the rapper to be and let's say we know that he's a bulls fan so why don't we get him to do an influencer program for the bulls but why don't we package that up and sell it to a bulls sponsor so this way you're hitting quite a few different things which is like new inventory also, new target demo outside of just the balls, because now you've got chances following. And like actually three, it's like a cool value add that's like influencer focus, which is what people think that. And so I think that's like where the miss might be, which is like, how do we jointly create new inventory? I think the other thing is, is like, I mean, I have not really looked into the, the ins and outs of team deals recently, but it feels probably similar to like athletes where there's a lot of focus on the top partnerships. And so you need to be incentivized to do those like 25 to 100K deals. And of course, I would say there's a good benefit to that, which is like more partners means more reach, more visibility, more cool activations for your fan base, et cetera, et cetera. But if you think about like, you know, like Serena Williams is one of our investors, but even though she loves us, she's not doing smaller deals because of us. She's still going to do those only those million dollar like those big big deals and so are teams at the point where they're thinking about doing the smaller deals or are they just too busy servicing the big ones and is that a good or bad thing like it's hard to say whether it it is or not yeah that's a really interesting point and and i think that is uh something that the teams maybe struggle with finding that right balance because you you don't want to have you want to create clutter and have you know 75 $20,000 deals and have all of these brands kind of out there using your marks and logos and and creating kind of competition for your your bigger sponsors. But at the same time, you do want to create opportunities so that you're not just associating with with brands that can afford a seven or eight figure sponsorship. And and I think that that, that's a really interesting way to think about it. And, and, And you said to me earlier, the technology has to be helpful and and additive to the process. And and that to me is where And again, I'm I'm 
going back to something you mentioned to me, you're not going to sell a naming a stadium naming rights deal through a, a digital marketplace, right? That that's going to take there are only there are only a few prospects for it, and you know that's it's going to take a lot of in person sitting down and, and hammering out all of the the details that, that are involved in that. But when you start to get down to those lower level uh, packages, that's where you know the technology I think could be helpful. So. And I guess that kind of leads me to to a last question: is just so what's what's next for you? What what are you and open sponsorship you know looking to do as, as you look? Obviously, you would assume to to keep growing and and uh, do different things. Um, what's uh, what's on the horizon for you? Fun stuff, I'd say. We are, you know, there's a big thing which is I around what are your customers. Uh, for us, which is mostly the brands, what what do they want, right? And as we talked about, one of the biggest trends is like good content creators. So that's guiding a lot of our stuff at the moment, which is how do we help our supply? How do we help our athletes and agents become better at delivering good quality content, which essentially is going to drive better ROI, get them more deals, get us more money. And so there's a lot around like ROI focus, which is like an absolute necessity, especially in today's times where people really care about their marketing budgets and everything else. So that's a big piece for us, which is like building tools and putting systems and people in place to help drive ROI. And then secondly, there's like the bigger stuff, which is like, well, where do we go next? You know, obviously uh, we are international, 70% of our athlete base, about 85% of our brands are in the US, but as a technology platform, you're international from day one really is as long as people can enjoy the English language website that we have. And so, you know, what's next for us there? We talked about teams and events. Like, do we have an offering there? We're trying out a couple of things there. So lots of different things. But, you know, really as a business, I think the focus for tech companies has changed from like grow at all expense to profitable growth or scalable growth. And so that's a big thing for us as well, which is finding ourselves better ways to go to market, cheaper ways to ourselves do marketing, cool partnerships. We love the idea of that. There's there's lots lots going on yet. Great. So I, I definitely, as you said, we'll we'll keep an eye on on, on what's going on uh, with you because I you know I, I think it's it's a really fascinating space that you're in, and you know I I love talking to to entrepreneurs and and founders. So this has been a, a really great conversation. I hope that we will get to continue it in in some way, shape, or form. And just for now, uh, just thank you so much for for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah. No. Absolutely, Jim. Thank you so much. All right. And on behalf of everyone at Ticket Manager, thank all of you for watching and listening. And please join us again for the next episode in the All Access interview series.